And the last announcement before we get into Colossians is just another building update at the end of the year. I want you guys to keep praying for our building. Uh, one of the things that I believe the Lord's been speaking to me over the last, we'll call it 10 days, as things are getting kind of crazy and, and we got the city coming in and our, our leases ended and expired and man, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And the thing the Lord is putting on my heart is like, Luke, stay patient. Stay patient. Just be patient. You gotta make some decisions. You gotta make some moves. But patience okay, rarely ever puts you in a position where you made a mistake. Patience. And so I'm really just choosing to trust the Lord. We'll use a different word, peace. Just have peace. Anytime you're making decisions with your family or even just yourself, if you get out of patience and out of peace, chances are you're out of the will of God. You're just doing something. You're in the flesh. Now, God is able to steer you and guide you and grab you and put you where he needs to go, and he can pull some stunts for you. But what the Lord, and listen, this is a very important point, what the Lord really wants to do in all of our lives isn't so much the product that we're after, the big idea. What God is into is into the process. He's not as concerned about the product, all these things. Oh, I just want to see this house built, or I want to see this church built, or I want to see this thing happen. The Lord's like, cool, so do I. So do I. Well, why don't you just give it to me then, Lord? He says, because I enjoy the process where I get to mess with you the whole time. Where I get to mess with you and work into you the things that you lack. Where I get, listen, work out of you the things that you're holding on to. I got three kids and they're all in the process and I mess with them all the time. And right now you're in a process. You might not even be happy with yourself or with what's going on or you're confused. How did I get here? And the Lord said, I'm just working stuff out. I'm working things out or I'm working things in. So be that as it may, that's true uh, across the board for the building. Keep praying for that, that the leadership team that God has assembled and the people that are coming to the table to help steer this would just have patience. And we would also not miss, because it's even bigger than that, not miss what God wants to do in the process. Because wouldn't that be tragic is if we got to the end of a lesson, end of a project, end of a journey, and we get what we wanted, but we miss what God wanted to teach us and we have to retake the class? Anybody ever get somewhere, you get the thing, but you have to retake the class because you didn't learn anything along the way? And that makes it more fun. You're like, Lord, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And Lord's like, oh, I'm, I'm working things into you, working things out of you. The big idea there is called sanctification. We'll learn about that today in the text. If you're a believer here, if you're saved, you're saved once, always saved, you're saved, woo, big deal, big deal, put a hat on, woo, yes, I'm saved, now what? Well, now the process, process, process of sanctification God is going to use your marriage. He's going to use your singleness. He's going to lose, use your health. He's going to lose, use your, your failing health. He's going to use your pain. He's going to use your joy. He's going to use your victories. He's going to use your defeats. He's going to use it all to grow you in the process to make you the man or the woman that God wants you to be. So uh, here's the deal, though. Keep praying. Uh, keep giving. We had a family. It was funny. On Wednesday, I had a, uh, a counseling appointment at the offices, and, and I scheduled it, I think, at 10 or 11. And as I sat down, I saw this guy walk in, and I told the people I was meeting with, I was like, hey, we're about to be interrupted. Sorry about that. I didn't think anybody was going to be here. And this guy walks in, and he sees me. He says, hey, do you have three or four minutes? And I look at the couple. I was like, do we have three or four minutes? Yeah, I guess we do. And he's, he says, okay, I'll be right back. And he leaves. And as he leaves, he goes to get his whole family and brings his whole family. I was like, this isn't going to be three or four minutes. I can tell you right now, you know. And it was so cool because they came in and the couple I was counseling with was real, you know, into it all. So we just got to know each other. And this couple was visiting. They came down all the way from uh, North County and they watch our services online. They have never been to church here. They watch our services and they said, we're just so excited. This is my wife. This is my son. We're just so excited about what God's doing. And we drove all the way down here. We knew you were going to be here today. We just knew you were going to be here today. And we came down here to write a check for $10,000 uh, to the building and to the school. We just want to give and support and love. And I was like, I got more than three or four minutes of you know. If you need more time, you know, and it was just so fun to rejoice and fellowship with them. They went on to open up a little more about some of the stuff they're dealing with physically and some, some tears flowed and, and we all got up, all of us, and we began to lay hands on each other and on, on one particular guy and pray for him. And it was just so sweet. And as that particular family left, I began to just think, man, can you imagine being in that position where you're in a challenge, but you've also been blessed and what a, what a, what a privilege and opportunity to give in, in, in that way and and what a, what to be a part. And you guys are all being a part of this process, praying, trusting, saying, Lord, would you use me in some way, shape, or fashion? So keep praying, keep trusting. Um, don't forget also that we are a nonprofit organization, so if you need a place to give your end-of-year donations, maybe you're a business owner, you have some sort of need to do that, we can do that for you here. Uh, we've had some people ask for the school for a business plan for their organizations. They wanna know what's it gonna, what are the startup costs? What are the annual um, costs gonna be? We have all that available for you. If you need a business plan to give to some people, some donors, 
owners, and we had some people working on that before December 31st, 2021, comes to an end. All that to say this, though, let's pray and ask God to do what only he can do. And as a matter of fact, it was interesting having the Christmas Eve service here. And I wondered, is this the last Christmas Eve service we're going to have here? Is this the last one? Is the next one going to be in the new building or somewhere else or maybe at your house because we'll be homeless for a minute? I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust the Lord. And so let's, let's bow before him and, and pray all these things in. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you that here, uh, the day after Christmas, Lord, there's a host of people uh, showing up here and people watching online, and we've got all kinds of things going on this week, scheduled activities and gatherings. Lord, we just sang, in my opinion, an amazing worship set, just declaring the kingdom of God the heart of God, the love of God. And now we're going to study this portion of Scripture, Lord, where Paul tells us to live for God, to grow for God, to become more like God, to put on the new man and to be transformed into his image. Lord, he's telling us to go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 where we're created in God's image. How cool is that? And I thank you, Lord, again, that we get a gathering in this way. We pray you would do all the things you're doing in our life. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Once again, just forgive us. Lord, you're more into the process than you are into the product. You're doing things. And for the school and the new building, we trust you. We do. We ask, Lord, that you would shake free the land this week, Lord. Just move it forward towards our direction and show us what you want. We're open. We're so open to whatever you want, Lord. We want it to be your story for your glory. It has to be. You have to get all the glory, Lord. You have to grow our faith as we see you do what you do. We just want to be those, Lord, willing servants who participate and obey where you tell us to go. So, Lord, provide everything we need. We just trust you for that. And even now, would you build us up, Lord? The Bible says that we are living stones, being fashioned together, built up into a spiritual house. And I pray that you would do that, Lord. You would take us in the rough edges. You would carve them down, those areas, Lord, that need to be repaired and strengthened, you'd pour into them. And I just ask you to anoint me, Lord, and anoint our time today as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. It's right in the middle of a sentence, so I'm just going to mess with you and read verse 9. He says, do not lie to one another since, here's why, since you've put off the old man with his deeds, verse 10, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, those are three different titles, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Listen to verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Verse 10 again, he says, put on the new man. Verse 12, he says, put on tender mercies. Verse 14, he says, put on love. Now, Paul's in jail when he's writing this. And he's encouraging the church at Colossae. And in chapter one and chapter two, he's gone into great theological understanding of who God is and what God has done. We call this theology and doctrine. And now in chapters three and four, he segues and says, now that we know what God has done, now that we know who Jesus is, it's imperative, it's important, it's the next step for you that you grow in these things, that you do one of two, if not both at the same time. You put off the old man, okay? Don't lie to me, that's what he said in verse nine. Don't lie, put the old man off and all the things that we talked about were listed last week. And then put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge of him according to the image of who, he who created you. I say that to say this. Isn't this awesome that Paul's in jail giving instruction to the people he's never even met that they might continue to grow? And this, I, honestly, this is so fun preaching to the crowd that actually made it here today. You who are at home, you're cool too. But the people that are here, I'm just kidding, you know, there's no distinction. <laughs> you said that. But y'all wanna grow, don't you? Y'all wanna grow. Man, I wanna be told what to do. And there comes a time in your life where you realize, hey, hey, coach, hey, coach, hey, hey, pastor, hey, pastor, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, hey, Bible, hey, Bible, hey, Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, would you just show me what's going on? I really want to grow. There's a season in your life also where you don't want anybody to know anything about you, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's called high school. It's called high school. And you don't want anybody to know what's really going on in your heart. And you're trying to hide, hide, and you don't want anybody to look at your stuff, you know? And then you finally come out, and you're like, dude, let's not do that anymore. Let's grow. Let's actually grow. And actually, let's not call it high school and, and getting older. Let's call it salvation and, and not being saved. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it again maybe later on today, but I want to say it right now. If you're not a believer, guess what? You get to do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can make up your own rules. 
You can make up your own law, make up your own government. You can, make, you can go fairy tale style. It's all right. You can do whatever you want because you don't have any allegiance to God. You're not saved. You're not born again. You're completely a pirate making up your own story. Just have fun. Okay, go crazy. Now, let me say it in a different way. That's a bad idea. Okay, it's a bad idea. It's going to end in destruction. It's going to end in doom. It's going to end in death. But if you're a Christian, let me just, come on in, family. Come on. If you're a Christian, you actually don't get to make up your own rules. (laughs) Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. You don't get to make up your own rules. The rules have been made up for you. The order's been laid out. God knows best. And if you're a believer, and once you finally walk with the Lord a little bit, you're like, you know what I discovered? It's crazy. It's crazy. God's ways aren't really that bad. You know what I'm talking about? He, he, he knows what he's talking about. And he's telling us to put on all these things. And when he says, put them on, he's oh, this is so exciting. He actually is offering you and I a brand new wardrobe, a brand new identity, a brand new purpose, a brand new power. Put on all this stuff. Put it on, man. Put it on. How many of you guys got some new clothes yesterday, Christmas morning? Raise your hands. New clothes. New clothes. Okay, the rest of you. Sorry about your, sorry about your luck. You know, we all, everyone in my house got new clothes. We all got, I'm not wearing any of them, but we all got brand new clothes. And guess what? Not one person in the house was mad that they got something new. Nobody's like, I don't want new stuff. I like my old stuff, you know? But the reality is we're stoked on new clothes. And wouldn't it be rad if this year and in a time of week of prayer and fasting and every time you got in the scriptures, he said, Lord, I'm stoked. In my flesh, man, I got some brokenness. I got some weirdness. I'm always drifting back to my old clothes, putting on my favorite hood, my favorite thing, you know, and it's having washed it since college, you know, and this is really, you know, my wife says, throw that away. Why you got that still, you know? And, And in the spirit, we go back to these things and in the flesh, I should say, but the Lord would call us to put on the new man, to keep growing. There's a verse in 1 John that talks about the commandments of the Lord and those who keep the commandments of the Lord actually love him. Okay, you, God gives you stuff to do and those who do those things, they actually love God. That's why they're doing them. But he goes on, John says, he says that the commandments of the Lord, they're not burdensome. They're not bad. Now, when you're a kid and you Dad puts rules on you and tells you curfews and this is what we gotta do and this is order. As a kid, you're like, oh man, that's bad. I don't wanna do that. And so too, in our flesh, we look at the Lord and you gotta make that decision today. Do you think the Lord knows what he's talking about? Not only does he know what he's talking about, but he is blessing us by transforming us. You see, we were created in his image and then we fell into sin and were distorted through the flesh And now he offers us this opportunity to be transformed back into the original creation. This is what his his offer is. And you and I, all we gotta do is participate. He tells us exactly how to do that. He tells us that he wants to make all things new. Look at verse 10 again. I'm gonna try and get to verse 17 and finish this uh, portion. Uh, Next week, don't miss next week. He tells wives how to be good wives and husbands how to be good husbands, so you don't wanna miss that one. I thought about doing that today, but I wanted to end on a good note and uh, start next year. Start next year, getting some emails, so, and starting some family debates. So uh, next week, we're going to talk about wives submitting to their husbands, and husbands loving your wives, and children obeying your parents, and dads raising their kids, and employees and employers, all of this kind of practical, actual stuff. So do not miss next week. It's going to be nar-nar. It's going to be fun. But listen to what he says in verse 10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Stop right there, eyes up here. The word new and renewed are two separate Greek words. The word new, the new man, literally means brand new, once and done. It's brand new. It doesn't have to be renewed. It's new. Put on the new man. This is what we're going to call salvation. You're saved. It's donezo. You're a new person. Behold, all the old is passed away. Everything has been made new. Now what do we do? He says, oh, what I want you to do with that new man is renew him. What's that? I thought he was new. I'll use the simple illustration of putting in kind of some brand new landscaping at your house. You ever put in brand new landscaping, maybe a backyard and some bushes and some shrubs and some trimming and you, you put it in and it's just like, wow, look at that, it's new. Well, in a few days and weeks, it needs to be renewed, doesn't it? Not replaced, but renewed. It needs to be trimmed, it needs to be watered, it needs to be fed, it needs to be weeded, stuff. That, you gotta keep that up. And for the rest of its existence, if it's gonna stay healthy, it doesn't need to be made new but it needs to be renewed. We're gonna call this not salvation, but sanctification. This is what's happening in your life right now if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, have fun. Go do whatever you wanna do, man. You're crazy, okay? But if you're a believer, you better settle into the conveyor belt, you know, like a factory assembly line, you know, God's taking stuff out of you and throwing it away and he's putting stuff in you. That's what's happening right now. And if you got a pulse, man, you got a purpose, but you also need to receive the process. It's a good thing. 
God's working on you right now, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, this idea of sanctification, okay? And he wants to renew us in this way. Now, lots of people struggle in this area. After a quick startup with the Lord or maybe some honeymoon experience where you get saved at summer camp and you come back, you're all fired up and like six hours later, you're out doing silly stuff. And we struggle with this, or maybe you're not out doing silly stuff, and maybe you got saved, and it was a radical experience at your church, and for the first couple years, maybe 10 years of your Christian life, you were serving, you were growing, you were reading, you were leading, then all of a sudden you hit this dry spell where you're just kind of like, you're not being sanctified anymore, because it's not going the same way, maybe not the same route. Now, number one, be aware of that. If that's what's happening for you right now, you're just, hey, I'm, I'm not on the conveyor belt, like I rolled off somehow, or some, something got gummed up in the machinery. Okay, the good thing is, you're still saved. You're still saved. That's what Jesus does. But he will implore you to get with the program and to put off the old man and to put on the new man who is being renewed. I want us to understand that. How do we get renewed in the, script, in the spirit? How do we renew? How do we trim the grass? How do we water? How do we get rid of the weeds? Peter says it this way. In the final words of his epistle, chapter two, we studied it before the book of Colossians. Peter says, now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. You wanna keep growing? Man, you gotta grow with Jesus. There's just no way other way around it. Grow in grace and knowledge. Those are two separate bookends to being a Christian. God's grace is sufficient for your needs. Oh, I need some more grace. Okay, well, let's not skip the knowledge part. Let's apply ourselves. Let's get up early. Let's stay late. Let's say yes to everything. Let's do some things. I wanna encourage you today. This is what God's doing. And in 2022, let's make 2021, let's end it on a high note. Let's end it in Jesus' name, okay? but let's make 2022 the year where we really press into the things of God. If not now, when? Let's do it. And I wanna encourage you, Paul says this in Philippians chapter three. He says in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, he says, my goal is to know him. Isn't that crazy? This is the apostle Paul. Like, I thought you already did know him. And Paul's like, no, that's my goal. I wanna know him. He goes so nuts. In two verses, in verse 12, he says, not that I have attained, but I press on. Now, does that just kind of like encourage you a little bit that the apostle Paul would say, I'm not even where I want to be and I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going because there's issues in your life right now. You just want to sit there and cry about. I can't figure this out. I keep going back there. and Man, I can't believe I said that again. And man, I can't believe I did that again. I, wow, I can't believe I thought that again. Well, guess what? You haven't attained it yet. Settle into that. That's not frustrating. You shouldn't be mad at yourself or even mad at your spouse or mad at your kids. It's good news. Paul says it, Philippians 3.12. I'm not there yet, but I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna press in. I'm gonna keep going. And the first principle, if you're a note taker considering this about sanctification, the first principle, maybe the most important one that's gonna change everything, is that God wants to grow you. He's partnered with you. He's for you, not against you. You're all messed up. The system's all messed up. You're going to call me. You're going to email me. You're going to text me. I won't be there for you every single time. I can't respond to all the emails. Luke's going to let you down. You know who's not going to let you down? God. You know who's going to meet you? God. You know who's going to pick you up right where you're at? God. Number one, write this down. God wants to grow you. You ever seen a forest just burn down? Sad. It just destroys the forest. And it doesn't take very long for some new grass, some new plants to sprout up. They just start growing. Like, what the heck? How are they doing that? Well, they want to. They want to. There is going to be restoration. It's part of God's natural principles. He wants to grow you. He wants to produce new life in you. This is what he does. Number two, it's going to take some time. You guys figured this out? Some of you have been doing this for a while. I see some of you out there today. You look like you've been doing this for about 200 years. That's kind of funny. You know, for a while. And maybe some of you guys feel like you've been doing it for a while. I mean, this is crazy. Like, I thought I'd be further. I remember my pastor, uh, he just turned 60-something. And I remember when he turned 50, I was, I was there with him. And and I, he, I was about 30, maybe 29 or 30, and quite a bit younger than him, obviously. And when he turned 50, I, I respected him, and I looked to him. And, and I remember out of his mouth on that particular Wednesday night, he said, you know what? I thought that I would be a lot further along than I am at age 50. And when I heard that, I was so disappointed. Not in him, but in the reality of that when I'm 50, I'll probably not be as far along as I had anticipated I would be when I turned 50 which is in 25 years. It's funny. It's only seven years away. I freak out. My kid's back there planning my, planning my burial already, you know. It's going to take some time. Growing takes time. There's this one particular story of a Bible college student who wanted to skip a class 
because he knew all the content, and instead he wanted to just take the exam. So we went to the professor, and he said, hey, can I just skip the class and take the exam and prove that I know all the stuff in this class? And the professor said, well, it depends. What do you want to be when you get older? A squash or an oak? A squash only takes six months to grow, but an oak takes hundreds of years. Depends on what you're trying to be. You want to be something that comes and goes real quickly, or do you want to stay on this path of maturation, sanctification? Okay, God is for you, not against you, number one. God's going to grow you. Just get on the conveyor belt. He's going to do it. Not only that, it's going to take some time. Number three, it's going to take some nutrients. Water, soil, and sun are what bring growth to our uh, things on planet Earth. Uh, And so, too, you're going to need the Word of God. You're going to need the Spirit of God, and you're going to need the body of God. You're going to need some nutrients. So in 2022, okay, don't forget. As a matter of fact, I forgot to mention this. Uh, Today when you leave, every family gets a brand new Bible today. We got these brand new hardback amplified study Bibles. These things are awesome. I went ahead and took the jacket off mine at my house so it's easier to read. So you can take that off if you want. And I was studying this through, reading through Colossians. And our hope and desires in 2022, you have your own Bible, that's fine. Grab another one, read it, read a different translation. Maybe go through the five by five reading program again and read through the New Testament or read through the Old Testament and do it. You're gonna need the word of God. You're gonna need the spirit of God. We'll see that in just a few minutes minutes here. Those Bibles are for you on the way out the door also. Grab some oranges too. I forgot that announcement. And you're going to need the body of God. You can't grow. This is actually a principle. You can't grow without some sort of input, okay? Shared strength, shared nutrients, shared root system with the men and women that God's given to us in our community, our life groups, families. Okay, this is going to be a challenge for you single people, but I'm just going to be honest. It's going to be a challenge for you married people as well. You know you can stay married and stay in a family and not really grow in the things of the Spirit. You can be really weird and be introspective and be all walled off and blocked off. It takes some humility. It even takes some effort. Last night we made a little Christmas dinner. We're sitting there at the table and before anybody ate, I said, okay, everyone's praying. It's Jesus' birthday. Everyone's got to pray. And I remember I prayed and then I waited for somebody else to pray and I looked over one of the kids was eating before they prayed, you know, so their food was cursed right there, man. It's not my, not my problem, not my problem, you know. And, and you gotta, it's gonna take some, some discipleship, some nutrients, Join a life group. Start a Bible study. Go to FTK on Monday nights if you're a dude. 6 p.m. There's Bible study there. Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. We'll have a men's group after the fasting time. The women's group, there's opportunities to grow. And number four, if you really want to participate in this time of sanctification, you're going to have to remove some weeds from time to time. Okay, it's going to take time. It's going to take participation. But you got to get some, it's going to say crap, but you can't say that at church. You got to get some stuff out of the way. Right? making sure you guys are listening. I didn't say it. You said it. Just kidding. You got to get some stuff out of the way. This actually, I was getting excited about this in 2022. I was thinking, Lord, man, who do I want to be in 2022? Do I want to grow? Do I want to be a giant? Do I really want to? Do you want to? I do. Well, it's going to take some things have to get removed, some silly things. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there are things that are weights and sins. Sins, man, mark them off, deal with them, slay them with a sword. Don't mess around. Weights, these are just holding you down. Things that aren't eternal, but they're temporal. There are things that aren't going to be valuable forever. And you might be real good at it. It might be your craft. It might be your deal. You might be really good at Fortnite or really good at golf or really good at hunting or really good at sewing, really good at something. Cool, 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 cool. Make sure and do that in the name of Jesus or it's out of here. And may the Lord lead us and guide us and show us what he wants us to do and to become. I want to keep reading because I'm going to run out of time here. And we studied all this last week. But this idea of the new man that is being renewed is crucial. Verse 11, he says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. You know what I think he's saying here? Not only, and this is what I talked about last week, that there's unity and there's beauty in God's kingdom. This is so fun. It's just, man, it's it's a melting pot. But I think what he's also saying is here, because there's a lot of strength that we pull from our cultural backgrounds and maybe even some freedoms and licenses we give ourselves because of the way we were raised or the people group we come from. And what Paul's saying here is saying, look, you're a kingdom person now. You're not one of these things anymore. You're not a barbarian, you're not a Scythian, you're not a Jew, you're not Greek. Because we have all kinds of reasons why we do what we do. Oh man, I was raised in the hood. This is what we do. Not anymore, it's not. Oh man, I'm, I'm redheaded and left-handed. It's just what I do. Not anymore, it's not. I was, I was raised without parents. No one taught me how to do this. Okay, well, now you got a parent. Now you got a dad. You got a father. And we use these excuses. Well, this is just the way my family does it. We get crazy. We drink a lot. We do it. We just go nuts. We don't, really? Okay, well, you're part of a new family now. And again, I'm going to make sure I say this. If you're not a Christian, do whatever you want. You're not under obligation to, to follow the Lord. 
You're not under his covering. You're not in his freedom. You're not in his love. You're not in his forgiveness. It's a bad place to be. You should become saved. But once you get saved, the rules change for you. And he says, there's no more distinction out there. It's Christ in all. And Christ is all. He kind of winds up this idea in verse 12. And he says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, those are three different titles we talked about last week. He says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving, and all these things he says to do. I'm, again, so glad you guys are here this morning. It'd be super awkward preaching just to the camera and Esai, but I'd do it, I'd do it. But I believe you guys get this. You want to do this. Therefore, you're the elect. That means you're chosen. Okay, it's supposed to be a motivating term. God, oh, I chose you. Really? You chose me? Yeah, now I'm going to tell you what to do, though. You're chosen. And, and you're elect. And you're, you're holy. That word holy literally means set apart. Why? For purposes that God has determined. Let me just trip out there for a second because that really helps me. We think of holy as kind of just being this, you know, goody two-shoe and kind of got blinders on and doesn't, you know, do silly things and you're just really kind of whatever. I don't know what you think of. The word holy literally means God says, no, no, I chose you because I've got things for you to do. Oh, that's kind of sick in a good way. It's kind of cool. Like a warrior, like a leader. And you can settle into that. Unless you think God is domineering, he calls you beloved. So yeah, by the way, I, just, I love you too. What? You do? You love me? Yeah, I do. The devil hates you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. The world is against you. It's against me. But I've elected you. I've chosen you. I've set you apart. It's because I love you. And then when the Lord tells you what to do, and he says, this is killing you. <laughs> Put it down. Throw it out. Kill it. You don't wonder what the Lord's motive is. Well, he's just out trying to be a cosmic killjoy. Floating around heaven with his lightning bolts trying to smoke us all. He's just looking for a party to end, you know. And you realize, no, that's not the Lord's heart. And then when he tells you that you belong to him, one of my favorite verses, kind of a cutthroat verse, is 2 Corinthians, no, no, 1 Corinthians uh, 6.20. 1 Corinthians 6.20, it's going to be up on the screen. There it is. It says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, plural possessive. He owns you now. Paul's going next level saying, you want to be the one that God called you to be, contracted you to be? You're elect, you're holy, you're beloved. Now you don't even own your own body. This is a big deal in our world where we want to take our, our bodies and say, this is mine to decide what gender I am. This is mine to decide what sex I am participate in this is mine to decide how i procreate and how i don't procreate this is mine this is mine to decide what i do and don't do okay well again if you're a believer you don't get to use those words if you're a non-believer man pick a path it gets crazy paul goes on record though first corinthians six twenty. He says you were bought at a price therefore 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 glorify that means to reflect his glory in your bodies which are his so you do what he says to do you go where he says to go and you become the person he has called you to be this helps me helps me to know what god wants it's super offensive in 2021 though isn't it not offensive we're probably going to get our youtube channel blocked today saying stuff like that god goes on record though and he says, I want you to put this stuff on. Now, before we read this list, he tells us, put on tender mercies and kindness, humility, meekness. I want you guys to understand this. You're not all these things naturally. You weren't born this way. You were born broken, okay? You were born messed up, separated from God. And so God comes to you and he saves you and then he begins this process of sanctification. Well, listen, then he equips you and actually gives to you what we call the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is nine in number. The first one, if you want to call it, is love, even though love is the only fruit of the Spirit. And then there are eight attributes of love. But it's a gift from God. He says, hey, you're a Christian now? Here's the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to grow in these things, and I want you to produce these things, and I want you to nurture these things. I want you to be the fruitiest Christian around. Fruitful, love and peace and joy and kindness and gentleness and meekness and goodness and self-control. This is what I want you guys to grow in. And if you're, again, tracking with this idea that God loves you, he's called you, he's elected you, he has purposes for you, you show up and you begin to then put up, 
put on, I, dare I say, your, your uniform. I remember my very first job. I was 13 years old, and I was hanging out at a friend's house, and my mom called me. She said, hey, Luke, I, I know it's summertime and you're 13, but uh, Mark Watkins just called, and, and he owns Subway, and he wants you to come work for him. And so uh, I got you a job, and I said, I don't want a job. I said, I'm having fun doing nothing with my life right now. And she said, well, it doesn't matter. I'm coming to pick you up right now. You've got your first date right now. And she came and picked me up and drove me all the way to Subway by Safeway there. And Mark's sitting in the back there. I remember I got there and Mark began to give me stuff. He gave me a hat, okay, Subway hat. He gave me a Subway shirt. He gave me Subway shorts. I even got a Subway belt, man. I was the Subway kid, man. It was legit. I got a Subway name tag, man. I got Subway trained. And I was good. I was like a sandwich artist. I'm not going to boast, but I was the best sandwich artist in the world. I mean, I was good. I could make a sub, foot-long sub from beginning to end in the bag, ready to go in under a minute. Everything on, going crazy. There's a picture of me right here. There's, there's me with my Subway uniform on. Man, it's Subway everything. And Mark taught me how to work. He's in the back there. And I showed up. He said, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is how we got to do it. It was hard. I still remember the very first time somebody called with a phone in order for ordering sandwiches and the phone rang and Mark looked at the phone. He says, answer. I said, I don't want to answer. I can't talk. You know, I can't. He says, answer. I answer. Hello. You know, and he grabbed it from me. He's like, no, not like that. And, and I didn't know what I was doing, man. You can take that down. It's embarrassing, you know. Take, you know. But I put on my uniform and I began to then do what I was instructed to do. And I worked there for four years. I'm so grateful for that time. It made me and changed me and developed me into the person that I am today. The work ethic, learning to take orders, learning to adjust, learning to be corrected. And if you're a Christian here, man, God loves you. And he has things for you to put on. And he says it here, we studied this last week. He says, put on tender mercies. Okay, because you're completely forgiven, we now are to be tender and merciful to others. Isn't that nuts? In and of yourselves, Man, we're kind of grouchy, and someone wrongs you, someone's, you know, short, you're not, you know, you're going to hold an account and all this stuff, and God says, no, no, I, remember back in chapter 2, verse 16, you have been completely forgiven. So, therefore, as the elect and beloved and holy of God, put on tender mercies. In 2022, let me just stop right there, actually. See, in, in our Christianity, we tend to think some things are very important. We tend to think our biblical understanding is very important. And it is. We tend to think that our understanding of the, the Bible books in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 39 in the Old Testament, there's 27 in the New Testament, you should read them all. And man, if I can do all these things and your theology and your doctrine, and there's all these things that are outside of us that we think are really important about our Christianity, and, and they are. Your church attendance, your volunteering, all these other things, your, your theology. Some people will come to you and say, what kind of theologian are you? Are you a, are you a, a pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? How do you line up? And here's the deal. All that has a level of importance. The Bible says, though, that the greatest thing of our Christian journey starts with L, rhymes with of, four letters, love. Love. Love is the greatest thing. As a matter of fact, before I even read some of these, I'm just gonna read out of 1 Corinthians 13. Last week I read 1 Corinthians 13, verse four, but this time let's go to verse one. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and, and of angels, that's pretty cool, but I have not love, well, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, you ever had somebody prophesy over you? So cool, so powerful. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge, man, get that guy on your leadership team. And though I have all faith, we need that, so that I could remove mountains, whoa, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, super generous, writing big checks, and though I give my body to be burned, I'm super brave, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. And I say that because love's actually, let's be honest, I'll just zoom in, zoom in. Love's actually really easy. I mean, it's a trip. You can go to Starbucks, Safeway, JC Market. Okay, you can go anywhere, you can go home. You can stay here. You can go anywhere you want and you can love the person right there. You can, you can 100% love them. You might not know good theology or good doctrine. You might be all messed up in your eschatology. You might not have read Zephaniah recently. All these things are against you. You might not give. You might not serve. You, might not, you know what? Even if you do all those things but don't love people, big whoop. Big whoop. That's a trip right there because I'm trying to learn the Bible more. I'm trying to serve, trying to give. I'm trying to stay holy. I'm trying not to be carnal. All good things. All good things. But the greatest thing that you could ever do is to put on tender mercies. 
forbearance, love. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if you did that? With your family, with your neighbors, you just decided to be the most loving dad in the whole world. I'm just going to smile even though I don't want to all day long. I'm going to have to get some super glue and smile these cheeks up like this. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get the, you know, we all work out. Get the, smile, get the strongest smile muscles. Let's get those going. And let's get the strongest heart. What if you did that? You know, what's your excuse? You got excuses, don't you? I'm not going to love my neighbors. I'm not going to love the people at the store. I'm not going to love my family until they love me back. He says, put on tender mercies. He says, put on kindness. This is crazy, by the way. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, it was the kindness of God that led us to repentance. And don't email me, but I'm going to say this. It, it wasn't the theology of God that led you to repentance, at least according to Romans 2, 4. God's theology is flawless. Okay? He knows who he is. But what broke you, what led you to him, what truly did, because either you got to him through a mental ascent or through a heart connection. And your mind may have connected with the scriptures. You might have concluded, yeah, that's true. Huh, that's true. Oh, I read that. That's true. Good job, good job. A lot of people connect with their heads. But it was the kindness of the Lord that led you to repentance where you were broken. And he asks us to be kind to other people that haven't yet repented. They're still outside. They're still doing weird stuff. And you want to take your Bible and shove it right down their throat? Tell them what's right and what's wrong. Tell them they're wrong, super wrong, so wrong. Couldn't be wronger. And he doesn't say to do that. <laughs> he says, put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Okay, humility is really knowing who God is and who you are. That's humility. It's not just you, solo mission, knowing who you are. You gotta know who God is too. He's in the equation. And when you know who God is and you know who you are, ooh, that cloak of humility is powerful. It's not timid, it's not weak. Matter of fact, he says the next thing to put on meekness. Okay, meekness is like a horse that is being used by the rider or by the farmer. You ever been around a horse? Those are some scary animals, they're huge. They're like six feet tall, you're like, huh, this thing could kill me if it wanted to eat my head and stomp on my body, you know what I'm saying? And yet when that horse is bridled and has a saddle, okay, it's powerful when it's being used the right way. Be meek. God is not calling you to be weak, no, no. He's calling you to be one who has given himself or herself over to the things of God. Bearing with one another, living in a culture that is different than you, listen, and being okay with that. This is a big deal for Christians, myself included. Man, the world is getting so dark, so nasty, so gnarly. And the Bible literally says right here, bear with one another. What if in 2022 there was somebody you couldn't stand? Somebody that was so antagonistic, so unholy, so wrong, so weird, so anti-Christ, and God says, yeah, I, I put them in your life on purpose. I literally want you to bear with them. What? You want me to pray that a bear eats them? No, 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 no. That's Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. You know that story? Anyways, I want you to forbear with them. It's different. Bearing with them. We're so conditional with our love. I'll love you if you love me, and I'll love you if I love you. I'll love you if I like you. I'm not going to give my love to people I don't like. You guys keep your love to yourself. You do that. Somebody around the gym or around the store, around school. Yeah, that, nobody likes that guy. Nobody likes that person. And he says, no, no. No, no, I want you to bear with one another, verse 13. Bear with one another. Forgiving one another. We talked about this last week, and it was powerful. Isn't that crazy? The culmination of all this. What if you just bear with somebody? What if you're just humble with somebody? What if you just have tender mercies with somebody? What if you're just kind, but you never get to that point of actually forgiving them? Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna spaz out, by the way. You, you don't have enough gas, enough gusto in your engine to keep going. You have to let them go to the Lord. I forgive you. I have to forgive you. I'm gonna forgive you. How am I gonna do that? Look what it says in verse 14. Verse 13, it says, if anyone has, it says, bearing with one another and forgiving, verse 13, one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. I'm so glad the Lord's forgiven me. Are you glad the Lord's forgiven you? Now, how many times have you offended the Lord since he's forgiven you? More, more than 10 times? Yeah. Have you let him down since, since he forgave you? Oh my gosh. Like even in the last five minutes? You have. I have too. We, we, we come up short. 
And this is the commandment, even as Christ has forgiven us, forgive others. Okay, that seems radical. Remember Peter and James and John, those guys wanted to hurt other people that weren't Christians. Hey, Jesus, we saw these guys, they don't like you. We figured we'd just kill them all. What do you think? And Jesus said, where did you get, where, no, wrong, wrong, wrong book. We're not doing that. Forgive them. Jesus prayed that on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Forgiveness changes everything. And it's the culmination of all the put-ons. You have to forgive. You have to even forget. It's impossible to. God has put it within his choice to forget our sins. He doesn't forget because he's forgetful. He's chosen. He says, I'm not gonna be able to meet with you unless I forget, so I'm just gonna erase that. We're broken. We can't do that, but I would encourage you to try and forget and forgive and trust the Lord. He says in verse 14, he goes on, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And that love is what God is really looking for. And it's so freeing. I'm excited to read the Bible in the, new, in the next year, 2022, read it again. But wouldn't it be a tragic mistake if you read the entire scriptures, the New Testament in 2022, and didn't come out loving your spouse or loving your kids or loving your neighbors or loving your community more? You just came out more religious, more pious, more spiritual in your own eyes. The idea is to become more loving above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. He goes on to say in verse 15, now we're just, that was all uh, warm up, by the way, so now we're gonna finish the text in three or four verses. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. This again is the pa Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul, coaching the church, teaching the church, instructing the church at Colossae. He says, what I want you guys to do moving forward is to let the peace of God rule in your hearts, okay? Rule in your hearts and to be thankful because you guys were called to this in one body. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard about the peace of God that passes understanding? You ever heard about this, the peace of God? Most of you guys have understood this. You had the peace of God this morning to come to church. Like, well, should we do it or should we not do it? I don't, I just kind of have the peace of God. A lot of you guys did not have the peace of God. You stayed home, you, under, you understand that. And the peace of God is, in, is given by God. It's a total gift and this is very important for you as you're moving forward that it's supposed to rule in your heart. That word rule in the Greek is the same word we would get for umpire or referee in an athletic sporting event. A umpire or a referee in an athletic sporting event is there watching all the competitors, all the contestants, has a whistle in his mouth, flags in his pocket, and if something goes awry, something goes out of bounds, there's a foul committed, that referee or that umpire will blow that whistle and call a strike, call an out, call a ball, call a foul, throw the flag, we'll do something because something went wrong. And all of a sudden the whole play stops. And in your Christian journey, when the spirit in you blows the whistle on you because you've done something flagrant, even unintentionally, have you ever found yourself doing your best to seek the Lord, to serve the Lord, to go with the Lord, and all of a sudden you find yourself walking in a certain area of your life and you just don't have the peace of God? And it wasn't because you were being silly or being weird. You just don't feel the peace of God. That's a gift. He's given that to you. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Have you also, don't raise your hand, have you ever been doing super silly stuff and found yourself to have the lights turned on in your soul and all of a sudden you have the lack of the peace of God in your life in this relationship or in this activity or in this thing you're doing? I've had that, I've had both. Where I'm walking with the Lord, I just, man, I don't know, this is crazy, this is crazy. This is crazy, I'm with my friends, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord, I just don't have peace. I don't have peace. And when you don't have peace by way of worship and obedience to the Lord, don't make a decision, okay, stay right there. Wait for the peace of God to come back. As a matter of fact, uh, another verse similar to this is in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. It says, don't be anxious for anything. You're anxious for stuff? Don't, don't do that. But instead, make your request known to God with prayer and thanksgiving. Listen, and he'll give you the peace that passes understanding. How? Well, when he's allowed to then lead and to guide your life, the peace that passes understanding. Now, we've been talking largely about character forbearing and meekness and love and long-suffering, forgiveness, all these things are character. What we're now looking at the last couple of verses here is conduct. This is where I, in my Christianity, I say you got all those things. You're full of love, you're doing all these things, but now I just wanna make sure I'm conducting myself the way God wants me to. This is more practical, boots on the ground, rubber meets the road, and he tells us specifically that we are to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And when we find ourselves aware of the peace of God, he's able to lead us 
and to guide us. Notice what he says here in verse 15, though. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Two other things he puts in there with this whole peace thing. He says, you were called to this in one body. If you really want the peace of God, guess what? It's going to come in tandem with the people you're in fellowship with. It's got to connect. It's got to correlate. You could actually distance yourself. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever done this before? Have you ever isolated yourself from the, the household of God? You're doing your own thing. You're like, I feel pretty good about all the decisions I'm making right now. He's like, really? Cool. Who's your Christian community right now? I don't have any. Woo! You know, you, know, you have all these issues and you can actually, this is scary, you can actually trick yourself into having the peace of God when you know it's not the peace of God. Jonah did this. Jonah heard a clear word from God. Go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. And so he began to go against God. And you know what, what was provided for him immediately? A boat. Boats didn't go every 20 minutes. They don't go every two hours. They went like every two weeks. And he went down to the wharf. There was a boat. Well, this is kind of cool. It's kind of convenient. Isn't this crazy? Man, God provides. Isn't that crazy? And I've talked to people before that are outside of God's will, reading his books. And you know what? This is crazy. This is all going weird. But I think God wants me to get divorced. I just don't know. I got a piece about it. You know, I'm like, I don't know where you're getting that piece. And they get on this boat and they begin to drift away from God's plan. And what happens? The Bible says Jonah actually went to Ben and a storm started rising up and he's the only one sleeping. Everyone else is freaking out. Eventually he came to his senses and said, yeah, this whole thing, this whole storm, it's actually my, my fault. And he lied to himself. So this piece of God has to be unified with the body of God where you're walking with other people, other men and women where you're letting the Lord search you and give you that peace, but you're also running it through the men and women that you trust. Okay, this is accountability, this is fellowship, this is life. Make sure you have those people. I remember when God was moving in my life many, many years ago when I was uh, sensing God's peace in pursuing Crystal to be my wife. She was 19 and I was 22 years old. And I remember I was praying, just praying, kept sensing God's peace. I just had this peace, this peace. And I prayed for four months. Four months solid, I prayed, Lord, I feel peace. I just feel this peace. And it's so weird because it doesn't make sense. I shouldn't have this peace. And so I began to reach out to my friends and family members. I called my mom. My mom had never met Crystal. I said, hey, mom, remember that girl Crystal in December? I told you to pray about her. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I'm gonna ask her to marry me in three days. What do you think, mom? And I remember my mom said, oh, I'm so proud of you, honey. Do it. I was like, what? All right, all right. You know, and I called Pastor Bo, who knew Crystal also, and I said, hey, Bo, remember Crystal? And I'm going to ask her to marry me in three days. He's like, oh, man, that's so cool, dude, do it. And I was just waiting for somebody to challenge me and say, you're crazy, because it was crazy. We'd only been dating for like 10 days. Is that not crazy to you? It's crazy to me. And yet the Lord was there, and now we've been married for over 20 years, coming up on 21 years, and it's God's will that we were together. But I ran it through the people that I trusted. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. You're going to have peace in the body, but you're also going to be thankful. You're going to find yourself, look in verse 25 or verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Let's just be honest, man. If you don't have the peace of God, you're also not going to be grateful. You're going to be all messed up. God wants to lead and guide you. Is that good news for anybody? Is that good news, man? I want, I want, I want that. And I tell people when you don't sense the peace of God, man, get out of there wherever you're at. Maybe it's a business, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's an activity. Man, don't ignore that peace. Let me say it this way. Don't get okay and comfortable with the lack of peace. You feeling that anxiety, you feeling that craziness, you feeling that tension, you're doing silly stuff. Man, that's a smoke alarm going on. Get out of there. Let the Lord guide you in that way. He goes on to say this. How are we gonna do this, by the way? Because you can lie to yourself, the heart is deceitful and wicked and you can trick yourself into thinking everything's okay when it's not. Here's what we need to do. We need to not just run it through the body and our grateful hearts, but also through the word of God. The Lord will never lead you into any relationship, any decision, any opportunity that goes contrary to his word, ever. Ever. It's you making stuff up. It's you taking cultural cues. It's you being a compromiser. It's you being a weirdo. Well, I just think it's okay for me to get drunk every now and then. I just think it's okay. I get, you get drunk all the time. And I know the Bible says not to get drunk, but you know what? It's just, it's 2021. I think it's outdated or whatever. And you might not have chapter and verse that you're going against, but you know it's against God's word and against God's way. And you have learned this. I have learned this. He says it this way, verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
Now, in those days, they didn't have free Amplified Study Bibles being passed out at the end of the year service because they didn't have it like this. They'd have to go to the synagogue and hear the scriptures taught. They would actually commit the scriptures to memory. They would memorize and memorize and memorize. They would learn. They would get a rabbi. They would go. It was a lot more hard for them to grow in the things of God. But what Paul tells you and I to do, let the word of God dwell in you richly. What he's saying, essentially, be a Bible guy. Be a Bible gal. Okay, get yourself a Bible and bring it everywhere you go. Now we got them on our phones, apparently. Maybe you have one of those. I got a couple versions. I don't like it that way. I got to have the paperback, man. I got to hear the, I got to smell, got to smell that stuff right there. I got to, you got to, however you need to do it, do it. People always ask me, what's the best scripture to read? What's the best translation? I say, whichever one you can read and won't stop reading and don't get lost while you're reading it, okay? Read God's word. Be a Bible guy, be a Bible gal. There are, so, I'm so excited to, identify some of the weeds and some of the infractions in my own life that have taken my time away from God's word, from just loving him and letting it dwell in me richly. If not now, when? There's no better time than right now than to become a person that feeds on God's word and that lets his word take over. So if you're dry right now, man, you need more Bible. If you're carnal right now, dealing with some issues, you need more scriptures. If you're sad and depressed right now, you're confused, you need more Bible. And if you're confused and all these things are coming out short in your life, you need to get into God's word and get God's word into you. Now, this is what he says here. He says, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing grace in your hearts of the Lord. I don't know how else to teach this except Paul's being real serious about this approach to the scriptures. Not everyone's serious about their approach to the scriptures. You ever just, you know, been around somebody that reads a verse like, I don't know if you believe what you just read. You know? Here at this church, we believe this book, right? God, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And when I read this book, I don't read it to edit it. I'm just gonna find the verses I like and read those. No, no, read, listen, read, listen, listen, listen. Read this book and let it edit you. In 20, let it, oh man, dude, I think I'm all jacked up. Okay, that's pretty hardcore. That was pretty hard. It called me out. Don't edit the book. Let the book edit you. And don't be a faker. Let the Bible dwell in you richly. Carve out time. Maybe you're like me and you start reading and you're like, I'm gonna close my eyes. You know, and you're like, get up and take a walk. Figure it out. Get a Bible and audio. Do something. Your flesh is going down and your spirit is being built up. Figure out how to get in the word. I'm just gonna be honest and I gotta just hold me accountable. Uh, this, this little device here is my biggest distraction. This, this device right here. And we all agree that we're, we're at varying levels addicted to these things. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just the weirdo that isn't. Okay, good for you. But most of us are addicted to technology. We're addicted to what's going on and it's 2022, okay, and things are different than they've ever been. And I just wanna warn you, that doesn't mean it's right. It means that you're, you're in a huge battle right now. You're in a huge trap. This is not normal. Every generation has had a curse. Every generation has had a challenge. Okay, no one's had it easy. Everyone's had some weird stuff going on. We have it, in my opinion, the hardest. Technology, internet, ease, convenience, comfort, all these things are against you. They're not for you. So you need to take introspective and you need to take a plan and a course correction and say, what am I gonna do? What's it worth to me? Am I going to heaven forever? Is this gonna count? Are there things that I'm dabbling in, things that are taking away my virtue, taking away my peace? Do I wanna be somebody in heaven and do I wanna be somebody now? It's up to you. Only you can answer those questions. Right now we tend to look over our shoulders left to right and see what everyone else is doing. And as long as I'm just a little bit better than somebody, I'm fine. What a, what a, what a silly standard. You need to ask God, Lord, who have, you, who have you called me to be? We even look over our shoulders and say, well, I'm in Lincoln County, you know? We only have three directions. We don't have a Western influence here. It's true. You know, you just, I'll just settle in. What? You should be the best you you could possibly be. Let, how are you going to do that? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. He says something interesting here, and I want, I want to, to teach this because it's here. He links singing psalms and spiritual melodies to an understanding of God's word. And I believe it's imperative. If you want to be a good worshiper, okay, you've got to be a theologian. If you wanna know how to worship God, if you wanna know how to sing to God, it comes directly from understanding who God is. If you don't understand who God is and sing to him, you're actually an idolater. You're just singing to sing. It's, that's your idol. If you don't know who God is according to his word, you don't even know him. You haven't studied. His word's not hidden in your heart, but you decide to sing, okay, you're doing it wrong. That's, that's a heavy duty thought right there. But if you do know God's word, 
You know his character. You know his goodness. Did you know that when it's time to sing, guess what you're going to be doing? Singing. I'm not trying to boast or be weird, but when it's time to sing, you know what I have no problem doing, personally? Look for shit. You know what I have no problem doing? Singing. When it's not my favorite song, you know what I do? I sing. When it's in a tune or a tone or a key that I don't like, you know what I do? I try real hard. And I'm glad it's turned up so loud you can't hear me because it's not good. And I sing. You know why? Because it's to God. Because it's to him. Because I know him and he's worthy. And the scriptures declare and the scriptures describe that in heaven everyone's on their knees. Everyone's throwing crowns. And everyone's worshiping 24-7. It's crazy. They can't get enough. And I know who God is that he's worthy of it. And that when I praise and when I worship, I get changed. It's, it's good. Well, that's not going to happen unless you know the scriptures. He says, let the word of God dwell in you, and you're going to find yourself singing. Verse 17, final verse, we're done. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, make sure you're doing it in Jesus' name. That means that it's in his authority, okay, but it's also for his glory. I heard a story the other day of a person who either got pulled over or rear-ended or something happened where they got out and they are fired up, man, because they weren't wrong. They were wronged in this event. And as soon as they were getting out of their car, their daughter was sitting in the passenger seat and said, hey, mom, look at your sweatshirt. And on their sweatshirt, it said, Jesus is real. And they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> you mean I can't get out and give this person a piece of my mind? I mean, I can't get out and go all road rage on. I mean, you just can't because you got a, you know what I'm saying? You got an SBC hoodie. I'm like, oh man, I got to keep it clean. You know what I mean? And may the Lord put that same purpose, just like when I put on that subway hat. Okay, I'm there doing stuff. I represent an organization. Put on Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, you do in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a gift to you. Has anybody ever trusted you with something, giving you the keys to their car? I've had my boss one time in Ashland. He said, hey, Luke, we need a ride to Reading, and we're going to uh, fly away. And, and so would you drive us down, and then would you take my, my forerunner and drive it back to my house and, and park it? And I remember driving back. I was so honored. It was a brand-new forerunner. I was, was kind of scared, too. But I was honored that he would trust me. It was in his name. And I did everything right because I wanted to honor that man. And so, too, God has given to you his honor. Say, hey, what the heck, bro? You work for me now. It's a good thing. Do everything you do in my name. Whoa. Whoa. Everything? Yeah, everything. Oh, man. This, that sounds amazing. For the glory of God and for the good of others. This is what we do. This is what God has invited us to do. There's four motivators he gives us in this last portion. Number one, it's the forgiveness of Christ, the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and in the name of Christ. It's all because of Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You will have some work to do today, tomorrow, this week, and, and guess what? Trip out, trip out, trip out the rest of your life. This sanctification process, the weeds are gonna keep showing up. Some of those things you put into your garden the first time look so good, they're gonna need to be replaced. They are just gonna need to be added. Another, another fruit-bearing tree, another bush here, another thing there. You're saved, it's done, but the sanctification is gonna have to keep going, and that's good news. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we receive God's promises and his purposes in our life? Lord, in Jesus' name, we receive it, and we ask, God, that we would have your way in our hearts, and you would have your way, Lord, in our hearts, that we would co-op with you in Jesus' name, that you would forgive us of our sins, the silly little things, the compromises, the issues, the tricks and the traps of this world that have taken us astray, and we just become dum-dums. We've forgotten the path, forgotten the purpose, forgotten that we're wearing that salvation hat, and that we're being sanctified. And I just, maybe you're here this morning, you need to be forgiven. You're already saved, but you just need to be cleansed and restored. David said it this way, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation and take not your Holy Spirit from me. If that's you this morning, you need restoration right now, just nod your head or raise your hand or do both. Just say, yeah, Lord, forgive me. I wanna fight, I wanna run, I wanna work with you, I wanna do everything I do for Jesus. Raise up your hand. Lord, my hand is up too. Maybe you need the Lord to help you to put on these things, to put on love and meekness and, and forbearance and humility and long-suffering. Raise up your hand if you want those gifts. You don't want to be a jerk anymore, a justified, pious, spiritual, hypocritical jerk. You don't want to do that anymore. You want to love people. 
You want to love him unconditionally, not be so conditional with your love. Lord, my hand is up as well. I pray to anoint this church, Lord. And you want to be a Bible guy or a Bible gal. You want the word of God to dwell in you richly so you have that peace of God. Raise up your hand if that's you. Raise up both hands. Say, yes, Lord. Let the peace of God dwell in me. Let the word of God dwell in me. Let the purpose of God dwell in me, Lord. And let, their, let my light shine before men that they see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. Lord, our hands are up. Take this church, Lord, and do what you want. This is your church, Lord, South Beach Church. Lord, South Beach Christian School coming up next year. We trust you for all these things, Lord. Help us to run with joy. Help us to trust you in everything we do. We love you. We trust you. We give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys.